You're listening to the Communicate with Confidence podcast with me, your host, Luke Maxwell. This podcast is dedicated to helping you build confidence, increase your communication skills, and journey with me in the relentless pursuit of what you want most in life. In this episode, we are welcoming back Devin Tracy. He was on the show almost a year ago, and we got into it deep, talking about things like how to assess how your time is worth and how to pronounce productivity, which I'm still right about. And you can go back. The link to our last episode will be in the show notes at cwcpodcast.com, so you can find it there. But he is back now to make an apology for us, okay? Make sound weird, but don't worry. We'll get into it. For those of you who don't know, who haven't listened to the last episode, Devin is a co-founder of Windfall Elite, a digital marketing agency that specializes in utilizing paid traffic sources to get their clients hot leads on a daily basis. Something we all love to hear. And I actually met Devin, um, and we met, what, three, four years ago um, by now. Um, before, and this is way before you founded your agency. This is before you founded a lot of stuff that you were doing. Um, and it was so, it's so been so awesome to see you grow along this time. It's been awesome to see you take on new ventures, bounce off new ideas off me, and for us to kind of have that com- conversation. But he is actually a great public speaker, and I know because I've actually seen him speak. Um, so I can actually vouch for him firsthand. And he teaches people how to build confidence. Um, and we have a, the great story, the great story that we had last time, which you'll have to just go and see um, for yourself, listen for yourself. But since then, he's become a lethal salesman in several industries and continuing to sharpen his social skills as he's been building Windfall Elite and his other projects some of which we might get in today, depending on the time. So thanks for being here, Devin, again, for being on the Communicate with Confidence podcast. It's like the best intro you've given so far. <laughs> honestly, far. honestly, this is probably the most fun intro I've ever given someone, just because I also know you um, pretty well by now. I would say we, I, I find it funny. So we had this debate, and this is to, this is to say – how real our conversations and how blunt both of us are, which is why we actually get along, is that you said, oh, I don't know if I consider you a friend. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, hmm, do I consider you a friend? Actually, I do. And then we got into debate about what a friend means, and then later we decide, oh, no, we do consider each other friends. So (laughs) I love those types of conversations. We've also been arguing about productivity for like two years now. It's not anything conceptualized, just the word. Just, yeah, just the word. We haven't even got to, no, no. (laughs) We just argue about the pronunciation before we get into anything. Um, But no, you're here to talk to us today primarily about how to make the best apology, how to make a real apology that benefits yourself and others. But first, before we get into that, what has been going on in your last year? What's What have you been up to? Like, really? That is such a loaded question. <laughs> and I know that. year has been the biggest ups and the biggest downs that I've ever had, not just professionally, but in life. Um, okay. I've, I've had like low moments because of relationships in the past, mm-hmm. but I haven't had anything that sunk me for as long as I was sunk this year. Uh, okay. and I also haven't had anything that has lifted me up and made me feel confident about what I was doing the same way that it happened this year. Um, so to kind of 
Luke, I mean, you were kind of there hearing bits and pieces along the entire journey, but I was six months ago. I, uh, yeah, actually like almost exactly six months ago, I, I closed, I closed five figures worth of sales in 72 hours for my agency, all new business. None of it was recurring revenue. It was all brand new business. And at that point I had broken down my systems. I knew everything. I, I could have told you at any given time, any metric that any marketer would ever care about, I would know spot on exactly what it was. And I could tell you how I had optimized it. Okay. Wow. And so, I mean, this is also the same time frame. I'm, I live in Washington state. I'm flying to Texas and I'm hanging out in mansions with millionaires who are in my industry. Wait, wait what? I, I didn't hear about this. Yeah, I have, I have a few photos, not money, but um, yeah, I spent days with some of the biggest agency owners that you've never heard of. Um, and wow. okay. um, the highlight of, that trip that I was just referencing was um, on Monday, my business partner and I, the trip was supposed to end on Sunday. Our flight okay. didn't leave until Monday. And it was just a scheduling kind of an issue. We were out of the hotel. And <laughs> so on Monday, we, my business partner and I spent all day with um, a Forbes 30 under 30, three times in a year, three times in a row, um, award-winning entrepreneur, uh, Gallant Dill. We spent okay. all day at his mansion, just him and us. Um, so what? <laughs> we got to see everything he does in business. We got okay. to see everything he does in life and what his normal life's like. And I had the longest debate with him about belief systems. <laughs> and he brought it up. So. <laughs> um, and that was really cool. And the, the, probably the coolest part about it for me personally was when he broke things open and showed me how he operated, mm -hmm. he doesn't do a single thing that I don't know how to do. Isn't, isn't that mind-blowing, though? When you realize a successful person, because uh, I've had this all the time, and granted, a lot of very successful people I have learned a lot from, but many people who have successful small businesses, especially small businesses, you're just like, oh, I know everything you do. Oh, the only thing missing is me just actually hitting Doing my point in time. Right. Where I did enough to actually yep. hit that, like, that, that momentum, and I got the momentum, exactly. and that's all I'm working towards. It's mind blowing, right? I love that you brought that up, and we're not even into like we're not even into our main subjects. We're already hitting gold. And that was actually um, just to like hit the nail on the head. A conversation that Gallant and I had that day was he made a statement that was something to the effect of, um, "If you ever get on my level, okay." And I okay. responded, and I was like, "When I get on your level, <laughs> but let's be frank, you're maybe three years <laughs> ahead of me." Yeah. And he responds like. If you do what I did, are yep. you going to put in the work? Yep. Are you going to build this? Mm -hmm. And it, it was just all spot on. It's like, it's, it's the timing and it's the work and it's knowing how long it takes to work. Right. Yes. But that was the, that was such a big, I was like, I, I know how to do everything you do. <laughs> 
And mm-hmm. I mean, you probably do it better. Let's be honest. But I know how to do. It. <laughs> I mean, probably, so, probably. So that was a that was a massive highlight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, after that weekend, no joke. After that weekend, yeah. uh, my sales systems right when I came back failed, like catastrophic failure. Um, to the point mm-hmm. that my metrics were all running good and sales were not happening. What? And wow, okay. I have this process like broken down. I know exactly my what my metrics are. Mm-hmm. I know my scripts, and it's always worked before, but I can't see what's going on. And the very first thing that I did was I reached out through my network, and I got a hold of two two of the absolute strongest closers that anybody who I know knows. Okay, and they weren't able to help me either. Um, wow. Okay. And so as a result, with that being the choice that we made on how to fix it, um, our marketing campaigns for ourselves started bleeding money um, mm-hmm. to the point where it didn't make sense to continue with the paid traffic source, which was our, our primary income for new and I know you talked to me quite a bit about your paid traffic, which was working great. You were getting great numbers on Google AdWords. I like, was crushing it. You were crushing Google AdWords. And all the metrics stayed the same, Luke. None of those metrics ever faltered. Actually, the only thing that changed in this time period was my landing page's click-through rate improved. So my leads were getting what? cheap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so I spent this entire time, like not knowing what's happening to the point, like I said, I had to turn the ads off. We mm-hmm. had to go back to only our organic strategies, which Luke, you follow me, you know, my organic strategies are, are weak. <laughs> uh, organic strategies is honestly where I'm, I'm stronger in the relationship that we have. Right. Uh, absolutely. I say. You definitely uh, have much better paid strategies. than me. Right. And it's, it's always been what I enjoyed more. It's always been my bread and butter. It's what I do for my clients. And it's also, it's the speed of ROI that attracted me originally, honestly. Uh, I didn't know that at the time, but that's what it was. Um, So that was one thing that happens, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the end of that month, we had to turn off the campaigns and switch to organic, which meant we had to accept the fact that we weren't getting very many new clients for the next several months. Uh, Then simultaneously, we lost two thirds of our existing clients the next month. And our biggest clients um, filed for a chargeback and then won the case. Oh boy. And so all this happens at once, right? And uh, oh this, this is for anybody listening, the difference between everybody who thinks they should be an entrepreneur who should actually be an entrepreneur, like be inside a business somewhere and operating mechanically, but having that free range mm-hmm. and true entrepreneurs is the first time you get knocked off your feet. What do you do? Yeah. Not and even get knocked off your feet. You get knocked off your feet, then you get pinned to the floor by a giant boulder. And then a mountain falls on top of that boulder. And then the sun just starts like falling on top of you. Like that's like, right? right. No, you're, <laughs> that's what it you're feels like. Right. That's what it feels like. You're absolutely right. I went from a agency that had made me 10K in new revenue in three days right. to an agency that was costing me money every minute of operation. Yep. 
And so you're absolutely right. So we shut down. Um, we, we turned everything off. We liquidated all of our clients and we started over. And mm -hmm. honestly, we spent longer than we should have licking our wounds, <laughs> doing absolutely nothing yeah. and debating and determining for Nick and I, my partner, mm -hmm. is this what we want? Are we entrepreneurs? Or are we entrepreneurs? Yep. Do are, can we take these hits? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Cause that's part of business and you gotta, you have to intelligently know that stuff like that can't be planned for to an extent. Yeah. You can always plan. You can do better. You, you can do way <laughs> better than we did. But exactly. <laughs> and honestly, had this, had everything that I just described happened to us two months later than it did, we would have been prepared. We just weren't yet. We knew we had the strategy. We were building appropriately. Uh, we just didn't get there. And wow. now six months later, I can actually tell you exactly why everything went wrong. Okay. What we didn't know, because we hadn't been in the market for long enough with the industry we were working in, mm -hmm. is six months ago was the low season for the market. Uh, business slows for our clients. And, and specifically what market? What do you um, feel comfortable saying? The roofing saying? industry. Yeah, the roofing mm -hmm. industry. That was our primary market at the time was oh. roofers. Um, yeah. And, and no, I wasn't going to say it, but I could. I, <laughs> well, it's, just, it's important to know because yeah. like, I just, I just want to take a little bit of a, of a pause here just to say is that different industries have different low points. Right. Absolutely. Um, and it's important to, for some and exactly. they're and it, holiday based for others. And exactly. And even like with YouTubers, right. They even have low points, like, because when advertisers are spending, like, so there are definitely low points in every single market during the year. Right. And what you didn't know, I'm assuming, right. Correct me if I'm wrong, is that you didn't know that there was actually a low point. And then you hit that, like, and then you went, wait a minute, what happened? And then you have to backtrack and then find that out. So two things. Um, okay. One, we, we honestly thought from what we had, the research we had done that the low point came later in the year. Oh, so you did research on low points. Okay. Yeah. Just not effectively. Um, <laughs> Apparently, honestly, yes, right? obviously. Um, we thought it would come a little bit later in the year than it did. So we expected okay. to be prepared for it. But then two, the low point in the season, when you offer lead generation services, mm -hmm. the low point in the season for our clients is the high point in our season. Is that that's a general projection of marketers because they're looking for ways to get clients right now. Okay. And oh, that's why okay. in that time frame, my conversion rate on my landing page went up. What I didn't know, I didn't have the experience to know. All I looked at was numbers mm -hmm. is that's also the season when those same people are hungrier and broke and they're not willing to pay. And they need yeah. results faster than you yeah. can possibly get them. Yes. So I expected more, more inbound traffic. And I did get more inbound traffic. But I didn't realize that they, their spinning habits and their mindsets behind them also changed during the low season. And so now, uh, if anybody is an agency owner or just works business to business of any, any form um, or own your own business, the low points tend to come at the same time every year. And most people who would want to mentor you or coach you in how to do anything like this, like first red flag is if they haven't done it themselves for more than a year. 
because those are the things that for the industries you work with, if you haven't been in that industry for a full year, you don't know their cycle. Yeah. Yep. That's what hit us. We didn't know their cycle. Yep. Um, and it, it literally killed our business. Um, now we still operate, we still work, but we work in a very different fashion now. Right. Uh, it's not recognizable do. to what we had six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally like it better. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the important. So that's, I mean, and I do want to make sure that we, we have enough time to actually. Yeah, I feel like I just talked a lot. Yeah, it's okay, though. See, this is okay. want to back up. This is how Devin and I's phone conversations go. We're on the phone and we're like, oh, wait, we've been talking about this random thing for an hour. This wasn't even what we planned on talking about. And then we talk for another hour about that thing. And then we'll like have like 30 minutes of wrap up time where we talk about random things. And then we catch up and we're like, wait, I think I actually need to go to bed now. Um, so that's how I usually end the conversation. But Do you, do you want to tell them how I pitched you this? <laughs> So Devin, so Devin pitched me this. He said, "I want. Can we talk for ten minutes on the phone?" Oh, yeah, right. Ten minutes. Sure. So I, so I, you know, we arrange the time. I call him up. I go for a walk because that's what I do when I have my phone calls. And I'm walking. I'm just like, you know, I have no time constraint on this, so I don't really care about if it's ten minutes or not. Devin says, "Hey, I want to talk about apologizing," and then out of beat i go yes okay now tell me what you're going to talk about so that's how much i trust you to like know what you're talking about obviously you talked about you know you described what you were going to talk about about your method and i loved it of course i did um but that's you know that's how typically how it goes i'm like you know what that's a good idea it's something i haven't talked about yes let's try it out and if it doesn't work i'll never post this podcast (laughs) we keep it in 10 minutes though Uh, oh no of course not and it was my fault (laughs) It was, I, I'll fully admit, I'm the one who kept it longer because I knew that I didn't have any time constraints. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna mention something else. You know that that's that stood out to me this week. And if you want to go, then you tell me you get, need to go, and we'll hang up. No problem. But phone, and that's that's a sign that we get along pretty well. Um, but I do want to get into this. So that's I to wrap up to wrap up your journey because mm-hmm. I do want to take some lessons from this um, because it's real. Right, it's, like I said, with um, for those of you who listen to Clara's um, quote unquote interview, which is us just you know shooting the breeze, um, we talked about taking the Instagram filter off of um, entrepreneurship, especially young entrepreneurship, because a lot of times that's just cars and girls and fancy houses and going out to like fancy clubs and spending a ton of money. No. Real entrepreneurship doesn't look like that. Um, and most of the time, those people are faking it. No duh. Um, so I really love seeing what does it actually look like to be an entrepreneur in the world, especially when you're just starting out on something new. Um, and so I love that perspective. And thank you for being vulnerable with us and sharing that. Um, because it's not easy to say that, oh, wow, my business tanked. <laughs> um, that's not an easy thing to just casually talk about. Um, oh, a month ago, I couldn't have. It, like, it, and, that's, <laughs> and that shows growth. And that's why sometimes timing isn't right. So a couple things that I personally took from this um, is that you need to understand your target market as best as possible, like mm-hmm. beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt, which many of us assume things about our target markets and think we know things. And then it turns out we don't. And that's a huge mistake to make. I'm guilty of it. 
um, even like nowadays, I'm so guilty of it. Um, and the other thing is to kind of, sh- it shows you, do I want this or not? Do I need this or not? Right. Um, the difference between need, because if you want it and you fail, you'll, you'll fail. Personally, you'll fail and go back to whatever you want, whatever your backup plan is. But if you need it, you'll make it happen. And that's a really big sign of need versus want. Something I want to touch on with you. Um, but um, I one more thing before we actually get into the topic is what is your biggest mistake during this time that you can kind of reflect on and say, I'm not going to do that again? I think if I'm being completely fair, I don't know if I can wrap it up in one. I made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) But the one thing at the time that I knew I needed to fix that I had plans on fixing, like I said, I just didn't get to it, Mm -hmm. um, was I knew all my eggs were in one basket, and that's stupid. Um, I had one industry that I worked with. I had one main channel of getting clients. Um, I had one salesman, I had, I had one of everything mm-hmm. and that's a process that's, there are way too many linchpins. Like catastrophic failure is inevitable when everything will produce catastrophic failure. So <laughs> that was yep. a big, that was a big thing that I knew and I was working towards fixing. But, um, if we relaunch in the same manner, which we very well might in about a year, um, okay we will do it in three industries okay. and there's three industries that we know we can perform in just like roofing was. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is, um, understanding their ups and downs better to make sure that we pick three industries that slows don't line up with each other. <laughs> uh, that way they're that's securing a, each other. That's a, wait, that's a great part. I want to focus. Wait, I just want to repeat that because I like repeating things that, are very important to talk about yeah. when hitting different industries. Make sure that the low points in each industry don't overlap. Right. And I want that to sink into people listening. And that's a very important thing that honestly, I haven't honestly, I haven't, th- I haven't thought about, I've never thought about that when targeting any different industries. And that's one thing I've learned right now that I'm going to take. And I'm going to be like, wait, cause right now I'm in the middle of things. And Everyone, everyone listening, I'm going to have a solo podcast where I talk about things uh, myself. So stay tuned for that. Like that's going to make a lot more sense later. But I'm right in the middle of doing that exact same thing of looking at different industries. And that is one thing I have not thought about is, is examining the low points in relation to each other. And that is a great thing that I wanted to focus on. Okay, now let's get back into it. I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> um, another, I, I guess... Can I say two more? One of them yeah. short, quick. Um, another one is we only had one service that we were marketing to them. Okay. Which is something that I might do that again. That's not the entire issue with it. The issue with it was that when it made sense, mm-hmm. myself and my salesman that I had did not know, no, did not pivot to other services when they made more sense for the client. We sold the one service that they found us for. Um, and that's something where if instead we had also taken clients where we sold them a website and SEO, we would have retained them. Yep. And that's, that's, that was an issue there. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a short one. Um, another really kind of, I guess, broader brushstroke 
kind of a lesson that I learned from it was, um, I don't know how I put this in the words before. Uh, <laughs> it was, um, it's in part the, like, it's the danger of being stubborn. My okay. systems are working, so I need a better salesman. That shot me in the foot. Um, and, and not oh, just that. So, so yeah. the, yep. the danger of being stubborn hit me twice. It hit me that once there. So it ended up costing us a lot in ad spend. Um, and I mean, our, our ads were crushing it. The metrics were amazing. But if you're not closing, none of them are working. <laughs> yep. And so I even... I have men I have mentors I reach out to and I ask them what's going on and I have one who's done a lot of work in the roofing industry and he tells me, Well, it's a low point, so this is how you need to pivot. And I'm like, But look at my metrics. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, they're phenomenal. Are you closing? No. <laughs> so that was one. I was stubborn. I was like, No, this is working. Why would I change my campaign when it's working? Mm -hmm. okay? He's like, Because you're getting too many people who can't pay. Yeah. <laughs> Another one where like just being too stubborn was hitting me was um, had I switched my mindset around like client interaction and mm -hmm. done more and gone further my way and spent more money to make my clients feel that this relationship mattered beyond business, I probably would have been able to retain them. Not all of them, but there's a few that I know I could have. Yeah. And why would I spend money on that? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, it's it's a six months ago, and I can't I can't agree with what I thought. But that's I was like, why would I spend money? Like they're already paying me. <laughs> and see that I mean, a couple of things I took from that was one, a mentor who knows the industry. So hmm. a lot of people look for a mentor that knows the skill. But like, no, find a mentor also that knows the industry as well, and you're on such a better track. Um, but the other thing, too, is just how much you've grown in the last six months. Right. Like, growth happens pretty rapidly if you let it. And that's the big thing. Honestly, I, I don't know if you if you remember this, but my big phrase is the goal isn't to be perfect today. It's to be better tomorrow. Mm. And if six months of being better tomorrow, right? Of course, none of us are perfect, myself included. I'm sometimes I'm worse tomorrow, and I'm worse for a couple weeks. But that's okay, you know. I'm trying to be better tomorrow, and then I get back on that track. But um, right? If you if you spend six months of being better tomorrow, then all of a sudden you're on such a better track, especially when you're starting something new. And that and that big mistake is actually foreshadowing, right? It's serving a purpose and foreshadowing, which oh, I'm so proud of. But uh, as a public speaker, but we are going to get into the actual subject before we run out of time. <laughs> uh, is that don't worry, don't worry about time. We're totally good on this. Um, but we want to talk about uh, how to make um, the way you said a proper apology. The way I like to say it is an effective one, a real one, a good one. Just how to fix your apologizing. Because a lot of people struggle with insecurity. And I've personally seen a lot of people demonstrate that insecurity in apologizing about everything. And I go, no, you don't need to. You're fine. I don't care. Like, right? And so that's a reason like, oh, you're obviously not apologizing right. So take us through. Take us through your sequence. 
on how to actually draft and create and do a proper apology. All right. So a proper apology, an effective apology, there's three components to it. Every good apology has three components to it. Okay. Um, before I get into them, just want everyone to understand, if you don't have all three of these components, by structure, I personally would not say it's an apology, but that doesn't mean it's not important. You don't okay. need to apologize every time something happens. <laughs> you can pick one or two of these and still make a massive impact on the person you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Right? Nice. Uh, so just because it's not an apology by the definition I'm about to outline doesn't mean it's not immensely valuable. Yes. Right? So a proper apology starts off first with an admission of wrongdoing. And okay. it's the kind of uh, like gut check for a lot of people who are overly self-confident is I didn't do anything wrong, right? <laughs> uh, are, you, are you personally attacking me? Like what's, what's up? <laughs> no, I was actually attacking myself. <laughs> but uh, especially especially like linear thinkers and anyone who has any like formal education mm-hmm. you can reason away anything that you did wrong fairly effectively. We're naturally oh, yeah. designed to do that as a species anyway. Mm-hmm. So step one, cut the ego. And even if you have to do this to yourself first, find, take the time to find what you did wrong. If it was an interaction with another person, even if you were 90% right, Find the 10% that you did wrong that you could have done better and admit to that. Okay. Right? Um, so that, that's the first step of an, a proper apology is an admission of wrongdoing. And the reason for this is an apology is always an interaction with another person, right? I'm right. having a conversation with you. I'm apologizing to you. Mm-hmm. And if I want, if I realize that I've hurt you in some way or something I've done has led to a negative dissonance in our, now our relationship, mm-hmm. then if I want you to know, if, if I want to get past that, and I want you to know I want to get past that, you're not going to be able to get past that unless you know that I'm taking some of the weight of what happened. <laughs> right? And that's, okay. a, that's, a, that's a mentality thing. That's, that's a psychology thing. Um, okay. And that leads perfectly into the next step in a proper apology. The second step would be a statement of empathy. Okay. You know, it's I understand where you're at. Like I, I get how how you took that. I get the response. And this is a time when in a proper apology, you can, if you approach this with care and it doesn't sound like you're trying to push away what happened, mm-hmm. um, you can take that and say, um, you know, that, that wasn't my intent, but I can absolutely see how what I did had this impact on you. Right? Okay. Um, and that's a careful one because yeah. it's easy to rationalize your intent and saying, that's not what I meant to do. So... <laughs> But to the other person, and I think just to put a pause, well, mm-hmm. just put a to pause in this to let everyone digest this and think about it. Because right now, I know, because I'm myself, I'm thinking about all the people that I've done wrong to. I'm like, I probably should apologize to them. Um, or the people I, I have you. apologized. <laughs> and it's not you. I've never done anything wrong to you. I've been nothing but awesome. Um, Luke, go back to step one. <laughs> But um, I'm honestly thinking about like people I've apologized to. I'm like, oh wow, I've actually missed some of these steps. Um, and I think the big thing too is um, 
the apology is only partly for you. It's like 20% for you and 80% for the other person, right? The 80-20 rule, right? Absolutely. I follow that rule to like to everything. Right? Everything everything is 80-20, right? Um, some things are 96-4, which we've gotten into before. I'm not going to get into it right now. But um, I just kind of want to pause, let people reflect about that and think about it, is that Yes, it is about you to give yourself some healing to help yourself move on, but it's a lot easier for you to help yourself move on than someone else move on because they don't hear, they have no idea what's going on inside your mind, right? They're looking at you and going, oh, well, do they really feel sorry? Do they really? Like, oh, I bet they don't even care. Like, well, they don't even care. That they do that. And then all of this stuff is going on inside their mind. It's getting worse and worse, especially if you're close to somebody. Um, which I've known in particular, not me personally, but friends and I've been on the listening side of everything. I'm like, just talk to them. <laughs> just, right. just, just, just say, this is how I feel. And then everything will be settled. Um, so yeah, that, that statement of empathy and telling them, this is where I'm coming from. This is what's in my mind. That is such an important thing because it clears the air. All of a sudden, there's nothing – as long as the other person trusts you, there's nothing that they're thinking, oh, well, they're holding something from me. There's something in their mind that they're not telling me, and that's so destructive. And so I that's why I love that statement of empathy and taking it to even sometimes – taking liberties with what that actually means what what is empathy well let's take that to see what that means in this actual situation luke um you said something just now that's hit on i can't believe i wasn't going to mention this Uh, (laughs) okay but it's why this structure exists it's why this is a proper apology. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I know. I just gonna go yeah, come on, Devin. You were going to talk about this? Come on. <laughs> um, but you, you you hinted at the idea of uh, the, what the other person's thinking in terms of, well, are they actually sorry, right? right. Ha, um, I mean, I'm sure you've probably experienced this, whether it was oh, from, from of a course. parent or from an educator or some role model of somebody in authority where you apologized and they responded something to the effect of, well, if you're sorry, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, or they apologize to me, and I don't believe them. Right. Um, uh, and that's this structure. If done appropriately, anybody can always be stifled. People don't have to forgive you. Mm-hmm. It makes it to where I'd say 90% of the time, 99% of the time, most people, the way most people think, mm-hmm. they can't hear you go through the structure and not believe that you are genuinely sorry. They can still choose not to forgive. Right. And that and that and that's a sign though for me. If I genuinely apologize to someone and they and they're like, no, I don't believe like I don't blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm yeah, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you don't believe me. I told you the truth, you don't believe me, we're done. Yep. And for me, like it's very easy for me to say that. Like I I'm very I'm very good at blowing at, at being like, you know what? Like, okay, we don't get a lot I'm done with you. I'm done, right? Uh, I, I'm very easy at kind of like dismissing connections that way. Um, any kind of relationship. Which is a special type of talent and curse because it's easy for me to just not have friends. Uh, but that's besides the point right now, that's what we're talking about. Um but yeah, so after that statement of empathy, right? Is that once you've made that clear connection of like this is how I feel and I'm not I promise I'm not holding anything back, what comes after that? A declaration of change. 
If okay. you've done something wrong, you've admitted that you did something wrong and you understand how that hurts them. That's the empathy step. You can't stop there. They okay. now know that you know how bad you hurt them. Mm-hmm. You have to make an honest declaration that you're going to do your best not to do that again. Mm-hmm. And in that, I, I would advise going through this, especially on big, serious issues. Um, when making a declaration of change, maybe a half four step when it's appropriate is an ask for patience. I'm going to do my best okay. to change. If this is a big, serious issue, um, right. myself, I, I'm going to use myself as an example. I did not okay. plan on doing that. But um, okay. thank you. I have, you know me, so you know this. Um, I have a very, not just abrasive personality, not just an authoritative personality, but if I'm wrong, you need to prove it in that my logical structure is flawed. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> right. Um, I've always attributed it to like my background in mathematics. I have deductive reasoning. And so all my arguments are built on premises that Mm -hmm. seem perfect. And therefore the conclusion is, so if I'm wrong, you have to prove it. (laughs) And, and there's people, you're one of them who can engage with that. Yep. But most people can't. So in my relationship with my girlfriend, um, this comes off from her perspective and rightly so as me not being willing to admit when I'm wrong and arguing all the time about every little thing. Right. And okay. I don't ever see it that way, but it, that's what mm-hmm. it is. Um, mm-hmm. so this leads, this led a few months back to a pretty big hitting point in our relationship. And okay. I told her the declaration of change was, um, I'm going to do everything in my power to let little things go and to accept your thoughts. And most importantly, to make sure that you feel validated and heard in the thoughts that you have, even when I disagree. Okay. Okay. And then I told her, um, this is going to be hard for me. It does not come naturally to me. Um, if, And when I fail to do that, can you remind me of the promise that I just made you? Mm -hmm. And I ask for grace in it because I'm not perfect and I'm not going to be fixed tomorrow. And big issues like that don't change in a day. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course not. Yeah, no. Right? So when making a declaration of change, it's always smart to say, I'm going to work on this. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But that structure, that three-step structure puts it in a position where – you can make your biggest enemy into your best friend in a 30 minute conversation. Yep. That's, that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize too, is that this is not a sentence. This is not a speech. This is a conversation. These three steps don't all come in one clean <laughs> bow tie of uh, I'm sorry. Right. This, this apology is a conversation that by the end of it, you don't even have to have said the words, I'm sorry for them to know. Yep. And that's a true apology. Um, yeah, I love it. And so, and I think also to touch on that declaration of change, in my experience, many times it's important. Like, if you've already done that before, like before that apology, like, I'm already going to do something to change. And mm-hmm. then I'll say, look, 
It's not that I promise you to do something in the future. I've already started. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I mean, I know for me in my own stories. I. I mean, I would. I mean, I probably wouldn't be in jail by now. I'd probably be out by now. But in my own story of you know my attempt in dealing with courts and all that stuff, is that my apology didn't just come and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I was already speaking to thousands of people, and before when I went in front of the court and said, look, look what I'm doing. I am truly sorry. You can you can see I am because I've dedicated so much time and energy to to doing something good out of this and then turning my life around to helping others and so that's a huge thing um for me is the preemptive declaration of change right and of course it's not always easy it's not always possible right to do that um when you're dealing with interpersonal things it's difficult um but even something well every step in this isn't always possible in the idealized sense right of course yeah but you're absolutely right. If you can show, look, I'm already working on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's infinitely more powerful than just promising to. <laughs> exactly, and and that's and that's the other thing. So I love your I love your steps, and I think there's so much creative liberty people can take within them. Mm-hmm. Is that and that's why when you first told me about, it, I'm like yes, because the way I approach this and the way I approach like admission of wrongdoing is so much different than someone else would, and that's okay. That's fine. As long as the other person you're talking to receives it well, right, right. So that's the only thing, right? It's it's important that you admit it to yourself, and the person receiving it admit, right, receives it well, and that's what all that matters. That's it. You know, it's not some like like moral thing where like, oh, I have to like check these boxes, and then that will magically like turn out things well. No, it's a relationship between you and the other person. And so that's why I just love this, you know, this steps, because a lot of them, the a lot of the apology steps I've heard, are not. I, I don't know. They're just a little too specific, and they sound too much like they're Robotic. written by one person. Yeah, they're written by one person from one perspective who's doing one thing. I'm like, but that doesn't apply to me, you right. know. So that's why I love it, and I kind of want to wrap um, this whole up. Um, in what you say is admitting to your biggest mistake. And I kind of wanted you to touch upon that um, about taking on guilt and guilt in, I mean, I'm assuming you know already, like you know your stance, but in guilt in the multifaceted version of, of guilt and how that affects everybody. So actually, Luke, um, what, complete transparency. Okay. This model is not entirely mine. It's something okay. that I was taught when I was 16 years old, but okay. step two was different. Step two was, and it was an admission of wrongdoing, an admission of guilt, and a declaration of change. Interesting. Okay. And I, I hope, because I know you well enough, I hope that irritates you. <laughs> it does. So Guilt, guilt I, is a strong word. And it I, should be used appropriately. Right. right. And I, um, I honestly, I took that and I carried that and I never thought about it critically. Okay. And one day I was having a dialogue with someone who was asking for my advice on how to repair some old relationships that had been broken off. And I was like, well, I just do a formal apology and gave them the three steps that I just told you that are the, where the second one's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he responded to me, uh, guilt's not biblical. 
That was his response. And <laughs> oh, what? Okay. <laughs> so um, he's a Christian. I'm a Christian. He knows I'm a Christian. And he just guilt's not biblical. And I'm and I like I'm sorry. Right. I'm gonna have to get back to you. I've never thought critically about this. I need to make sure that these things hold. <laughs> Instead of just repeating what you've already heard. Right. And it's mm-hmm. so weird how often we do that without thinking about Oh yeah, all of us do. I mean, I still do. Um and yeah. I mean, yeah, we do that. So, not only is like taking on guilt in an apology like a big mistake that a lot of people make naturally, mm-hmm. it's something that in an apology structure, I know for a fact is being taught. <laughs> uh and Okay. So, if if you are a Christian, it is not biblical. Guilt is not biblical. Mm-hmm. And he's he's correct in that. <laughs> um, for everybody else, um, there are so many issues with taking on guilt. But before I hit on those, and that's part of why I wanted to talk to you about it, Luke. Okay. Before I hit on the issues with it, I want to point out why that's being taught in this structure. Um, okay. The idea of taking on guilt. And the reality is, you, you mentioned it earlier, that an apology is... 80% for the other person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people, when you've hurt them, they want you to feel bad about it. This is like, this is psychology. They want yep. you, they yep. want it to hurt you. Yep. And so the, the admission of guilt is meant to make them know that you hurt too. Yeah. Which is why it's better supplemented with a statement of empathy. Because you also, just, yeah. along with that, we want to be understood. Mm. And I can replace guilt, which is unhealthy or in any way, and give you that understanding that I actually feel the pain too. And I understand you mm. with a statement of empathy. So it's a much more effective manner. When it comes to the dangers mentally and physically of taking on guilt, I don't know a lot about it. And I was hoping that maybe you do. Yeah, and, and in fact, I do. So um, this is my wheelhouse, and that's why this stood out to me so well. I mean, so first of all, so the funny thing is, I just want to touch all this, is that we talked about, you know, like, you want to see the other person, like, hurt because they hurt you. The first thing I thought was, like, back to my screenwriting days of being, like, crafting a character that, like, wants, you know, revenge upon the other person. Like, it would create a whole storyline in my head r- right now. I was just laughing about it because I was like, oh, of course it did. Um, but it's true. And from what I see, especially, um, honestly, with all ages, um, when it comes to guilt, is that guilt typically is it doesn't it only negatively impacts the person feeling it it never positively impacts anybody whereas with empathy is that you may feel bad but that's a feel bad it's a pain of growing it's a growing pain and that empathy and that feeling bad puts you in that place of the other person who felt bad so then you're able to understand why they felt bad and you're able to connect with them and talk to them about how you hurt them and for me that's such a healthier thing whereas with guilt you're only hurting yourself you're not helping anybody by feeling guilty you are only hurting yourself 100 100 
hurting yourself. Whereas with empathy, you're 20%, right? Healing yourself through pain and 80% helping that other person who you wronged in some way. Or maybe, right? Or maybe you didn't, you didn't feel like you wronged them, but they felt wrong. And that's the conversation that needs to happen, right? And that's why I'm such a fan of, you know, communication, right? Obviously, communicate with confidence right. um, is around communicating. Well, I don't feel this way. Why do you? And then having that, especially in an intimate relationship, right, with your girl, right, with your girlfriend, right, is that that's something you you want to keep so badly. You want to have that relationship as strong as possible so badly that you're willing to have pain in order to have that relationship grow stronger. Um, same thing with my friends, right? Um, I remember back when Clara, right? Uh, we, we have Clara on every month. Those of you who new listeners, like she'll be on. Don't worry. Um, one of our earliest interactions, she texted me and said, are you angry with me? And I went, no, of course I'm not. Why? Why do you think I'm angry with you? She said, oh, because you're texting me really short, like, messages without, like, with with punctuation. I'm like, no, that's just how I text. Like, that's, that doesn't mean anything. And that was a conversation where, you know, there was a little bit of pain of, like, did I hurt you? Did I hurt you? Did I hurt? Like, why? what's going on? But in the end, it ended up with growing. And they're like, oh, cool. And now we text all the time and it's no problem whatsoever because she knows that that's just how I am. So that's that's the way really I see it when it comes to guilt. Um, is that kind of – is that just that toll on your mental health? That's ultimately just unhealthy. There's no upside of guilt. None. None of it. It, it really should take form in empathy instead. And I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Um but yeah, was there was there anything you really wanted to build on that? Like, I'm curious because we didn't plan this out. We didn't. We we purposely didn't talk about this too much. Well, that was actually um, when I when I decided I wanted to put this out after I had done my study and found out what needed to be fixed and how a proper mm-hmm. apology should be structured. Um, I know for a fact I'm going to write on this at some point. Yep. Um, I know exactly where I'm putting it out. Um, Perfect. And before I did that, I reached out to you for two reasons. One yeah. is I know that your audience can use it. Mm-hmm. And thank you. And I want them to be able to was honestly, because when I'm structuring this and when I'm talking about it, I can tell you how empathy works better than guilt, but I mm-hmm. couldn't tell you the negative impacts of guilt. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. Uh, well, you can't so, just the right person. <laughs> So the uh, the takeaway that I got that I'm gonna use is um, just that uh, guilt negatively impacts you and does not have the ability to positively impact anybody else. Yeah, and because a lot of people in that, I feel if I honestly hurt somebody, then it's okay if I'm negatively impacted by something that makes them feel better. <laughs> right. Um, and maybe I deserve that. And I can see all those mental plays, uh, but no, actually guilt will never make anybody else feel better. Yep. And that's a very valuable point just cause even if you are convinced that you deserve some sort of punishment for this, mm-hmm. if it's not benefiting anybody else, then it's of no benefit period. <laughs> Exactly. And one more thing, though, I want to add on to that is that, by the way, also, besides uh, now I owe you an invoice, um, (laughs) and now we're even, um, is that guilt also is a private thing. Is that one of the destructive tendencies of guilt is that it doesn't get communicated, it stays internal. 
and then it only builds because the situation, the more you think about it, the more dangerous possibilities you can think of. So let's say I say something wrong to you. Let's say I offend you in some way. Let's say I, I say, wow, you're dumb and your business is terrible. You shouldn't have done that, right? And obviously, I, I obviously I wouldn't say that because first and of all, obviously I would laugh it off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You'd be like, "Ha!" Huh, and I'd be like, "Darn it, I didn't hurt him." Um, no, but, <laughs> no, but let's say let's say for some reason I was a bad person and I said mean things to you, and then later, like later, you know, like a week later, I was like, "Oh, that was awful. I shouldn't have said that. That was so dumb." Like, and then all of a sudden I start thinking of, "Well, I hurt him in this way," and then. The next night, oh, I heard him in this way. And the next night, oh, I heard him in this way and this way. And this causes this negative effects. And this causes this negative effects. I'm the is reason that, he shut down. Exactly. Well, that's the thing is that guilt only stays internal and it only builds upon new ways to convince yourself that you are worse, that, that you are more, that you are less, right? It's like a spiral. I can it see how is. that would easily lead to depression right. on its own. Well, and I've been there, and I know because I've literally been there, as I've been in the worst of the worst situation in that spiral. I've been at the bottom of that spiral quite literally. Um, and so I know personally what that spiral is like. Um, and that only continues and it's not easy. And what I want to say is that for those of you listening, right, is that it's not easy just to not feel guilty. Like we're not saying that at all. We're not saying that, oh, just don't feel guilty. Right. What we're saying is that, I mean, obviously if you need professional help, you know, on this spot, you've heard me say it enough. <laughs> Go to a therapist, see a therapist, see a doctor. Um, don't see but, me. I'm not qualified. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't see me. I'm not qualified either. Um, you can talk to me and I'll walk, I'll like, I'll like be your friend and walk you through it, but I'm not your therapist. Um, but, oh, and I lost my train of thought in that regard, but no, yeah, if you, if you really, if you really want to change that guilt into empathy, um, it turns into thinking about how can I, well, it starts with the communication. I think that's the first thing, right? Um, is that it starts with, I need to tell somebody that I did something wrong to them. Right. And it's, and then you start following that. And for me, and I know this because I've even in like the last six months I've done this right, and because uh, I naturally I found I naturally do a lot of these like steps that people discover. I'm like, oh cool, um, I never knew what I was doing, but I did it anyway. Is that you know with certain people I I've done this constantly is going, hey, I'm sorry I did this wrong. Like I understand like why this hurt you. I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to list out what I'm going to do differently. And if I don't do that, then I need you to call me out on that because that means I'm struggling. And that means I need help not because I don't like you. It's because I personally am, am need help in changing. And that for me has been such a game changer in regards to guilt, like the guilt I felt in my teenage years, you know, when mm. I was going through everything negative possible. And so for me, that that's where it starts, is if you go through these steps, that automatically changes the whole guilt cycle. And if you're still feeling guilty after that, maybe you need another conversation, or maybe you need professional help to dig what's deeper. Like, what, why, like why are you feeling guilt? And that's where that deeper you know, cut comes from is, okay, you're feeling guilty, you did everything to not feel guilty, but listen, that's, why are you doing this? And then let's heal that segment, and then that will heal the guilt um, by proxy. Uh, but yeah, no, I love it, and we already run an hour. I can't believe it. Um, I can. I, I mean, <laughs> okay, I can believe it, but it doesn't feel like it, um, which it never does. Um, but so we are gonna have to start wrapping it up here, um, Devin. Um, I'm gonna want two things from you, okay? 
I'm going to want a final statement to everyone listening. And then I'm going to want how people can find you, learn more about you. Um, a final statement. What wrap do you want all, me to what wrap do you want it me to, all up? Wrap, wrap it, it all up. up. Wrap it all oh, up gosh. or say something completely new. It's up to you. You just say whatever. You're you're a natural speaker. You're a natural speaker. Right. I, that's why I trust well, you. Well, with I this. want to know what you want. <laughs> that's, no, that's I, I I want you. To, I want you to be open, and honest. That's what I want. All right. Um. Well, this that's is like, this is communicate with confidence, right? Yeah. Um. It's shocking how often any and every issue that we find that we have in life is resolved as soon as we talk about it. And it's as simple as having a conversation with the people in your life you care about and figuring out why they're upset or why you're upset. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in business like I am, talking to people with no agenda who you can learn from or teach and just seeing what happens. That's how Luke and I became friends. Yeah, true. I reached out to Luke because I heard him on a podcast. Yeah. That's that's what started, and I asked still him. Still, the help. most ridiculous thing. Still, the most ridiculous thing that's ever happened in my life is you just randomly reaching out and us hitting it off immediately. <laughs> right. Still. So, so yeah, most of the problems that you have in life will be fixed if you're willing to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my wrap up statement. Yeah, and it's great, mm-hmm. great wrap up. Uh, as far as reaching me, I. I take great pride when I'm with my clients now and they ask me and I tell them because I've found a way to leverage this so strongly, Luke. You don't have any idea. You can't okay. find me. <laughs> I, I beg to differ, but I've okay. Said, so I've said that before to someone and they responded, oh, I get it. You find them. Like, no. Um, the clients that I get for now are either people who've met me networking or were referred to me. That's mm-hmm. it. And I now have these tools I can leverage, like, um, being, uh, what do you say? Being recommended by one of the sharks off a shark tank that mm-hmm. I can leverage and say, actually, I just, I get to pick my clients now. So I, you don't need to find me. So for anybody from this podcast, cause it's such a different sphere. If, if this was a marketing podcast, I would tell them you can't find me and I'd end it there. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Facebook or you can email me directly at devin at windfallelite.com. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. About, yeah. That's that's great. Perfect. Cool. Um, and the funny thing is, though, if this was a marketing podcast, I'd immediately tell everybody, look at the camera, and I go, find him. Is that you're like, if you are a marketer, you will find, or I guess a salesman. I guess if it was a sales podcast, if it was a sales podcast, I go, find him. And I will give a reward to anybody who finds him. Um, I'm pretty sure if you type in Devin Tracy, though, you pop up right away. I don't. I don't. There's a musician who pops up on Google before I do. Oh yeah, SoundCloud. Yeah, and, and he Spotify. has my web. He has my domain. I don't get to have DevinTracy.com because of him. Um. <laughs> oh wow, you're right. Yeah. I wonder. Is he any good? <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't looked into him. I should listen to him now. Maybe he'll be my new best friend. That's right. He's the only person that pops up when you Google his name. Yeah. If you look me up in uh, Facebook search bar, I'm like number three most of the time. Yeah. And yeah, I'll, I'll put up links um, yeah. um, to find him, to find you. That's, this is ridiculous. I'm on page four of Google and I'm still on the artist. <laughs> yeah. He's obviously got a good marketing team. Page under him. six. <laughs> yeah. Devin Tree. This is ridiculous. 
I've never. Wow, that's impressive. Because uh, I, I, there's a Luke Maxwell um, who, who's a British soccer player, and I rank higher than him when you Google my name, which is a super proud moment for me because I'm like, ha, ah, you're actually famous, and I rank what? higher. Have than you me. built SEO? Have you oh, put yeah. SEO around your name? Oh yeah, I have that's hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I have hundreds of thousands of clicks on my website, so um, that's not a problem. And there's a ton of like high level articles written about me on with sites that already have good SEOs. Right, uh, that's SEOs. the difference. Doesn't matter yeah. how famous you are if you don't have SEO, Google doesn't yeah. find you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the problem is Google Google alerts do nothing because all they do is recommend that guy. Uh, but but so yeah, so all the links will be in the in the description at cwcpodcast.com. Um, if you are coming to this later, if this is an old podcast you're listening to, just type Devin Tracy into the search bar. You'll find him. You'll find both podcasts that we did. Um, the first one, honestly, is awesome. I loved it a lot. I already like this one better. (laughs) Out of the three interviews we've done together, this is in my top five. That's true. We did do three together on it. We did one on another podcast. Um, yeah, no, I love this. I loved, you know, what you had to say about apologizing. I think it's a great thing. Um, it's been something I've been hearing a lot about, um, mainly through YouTube actually, which is funny about hmm. YouTubers being insecure about apologizing. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting little thing. Um, but thank you so much, Devin, for being on. Um, we've already run so much long. I don't want to say goodbye, but I have to. Um, so uh, final words is do what you love and remember to always stay on the positive side of things. Yeah.